Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, we speak with Captain Vinny Lasorsa of Freedom Fighter Outdoors, Last Mega Boatworks, and a boat captain for Jimmy Buffett. Freedom Fighter Outdoors is an organization dedicated to empowering and giving veterans a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go fishing and hunting through an amazing organization built by incredible people, and including Vinny who about nine years ago decided that he would take out a small group of veterans out fishing, and it's turned into a movement, to say the least. Now, Last Mega Boatworks is actually what in part funds Freedom Fighter Outdoors through the sale of merchandise, gear, and all sorts of apparel that is built behind the Last Mango brand, which is actually the name of Jimmy Buffett's boat. So all the same gear that Vinny and his crew used to go fishing on a daily basis is sold on the website, donated right back to Freedom Fighter Outdoors, as well as another organization called Singing for Change. It was an incredible time talking to Vinny about his career as a captain, what life is like working for Jimmy Buffett, as well as the organizations Freedom Fighter Outdoors and Last Mango Boatworks. I am super excited to share this one with you guys, especially with Memorial Day right around the corner. It's really important to be able to give back to those who have served us. So without further ado, I present to you Captain Vinny Lasorsa, Freedom Fighter Outdoors, and Last Mango Boatworks. Remember to stick around towards the end for some special announcements, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, we're talking with Vinny Lasorsa of Freedom Fighter Outdoors and Last Mango Boatworks. It's a pleasure to have you on, Vinny, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Zach. Yeah, so Vinny, you are a part of many different things. Uh, above all, you are a captain as, as well as a husband and father. So you have your hands in many different buckets, all of which are you know, very interesting and intriguing. And just your story alone and how you got to where you are is, you know, I, when I saw you online and I was like, I got to reach out to these guys. So um, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. I appreciate it, Zach. All right. My name, like I said, my name is Captain Vinny Lasorsa. I've been a boat cap. I'm 37 years old now. I've been a boat captain since I was 19. Um, I have been working for the singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett for the last 15 years. And throughout my time with, with, with Jimmy, I've got to, I've learned a lot, traveled a lot. And I think the most important thing I've learned from him and being with him is that we all should find a way in whatever capacity we can to give back. So we do a lot with injured veterans and we do a lot with a lot of charities, and, and, but we do a lot with injured veterans. We started an organization called Freedom Fighter Outdoors and we, we started taking injured veterans in 2009, but we didn't incorporate as Freedom Fighter Outdoors until February of 2014. So as our own corporation, we've been a little over five years and in the last five years, we've been keeping really good track since we incorporated on our own. Um, we've taken just over 500 uh, injured veterans, male and female, um, on outdoor events, not just fishing, some hunting, some like, you know, outdoor music festivals, anything outdoors to get to just to get people reacclimated and build camaraderie with other veterans outdoors. Mm, so what is I mean, so before we get too much into Freedom Fighter, because I think it's it's always good to bring some context to, you know, how you got started, because in, in many ways, what I found is that actually kind of leads into um, how you really started the company and kind of the trials and tribulations of you becoming a captain, you know, how it led you to say, Hey, I want to, I want to finally give back after so many people have given to me. Um, so 
growing up, were you always looking to be a captain? Were you like, hey, you know, right out of the gate, turn 18, get your six pack, get turn 19, all of a sudden you get your 100 ton? Like, how did that, how was that process? How'd you get started? So how, how I got started, and the answer, to answer your question, I didn't, I did not intend by any means to be a captain at any point in my life till I was about 18. Mm. Um, I, I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, for the most part. I, I lived in upstate New York for a little bit, too. My dad was a Secret Service agent. You're not a Yankee so fan, are you? I am. Giants oh, and Yankees. Come on. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you pass. I'm a Red Sox fan, so, you know, a little, little rivalry there. But go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, I grew up in Annapolis, fished a lot with my dad growing up, um, especially in the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, we we fished out of the Outer Banks of North Carolina a lot when I was growing up. I had an obs- I had a obsession with water sports, water and fishing my whole life. I'd mm-hmm. always beg my dad every weekend to go fishing. So that that love for fishing and water and boating was there my whole life. But I never, I don't know, I just never thought about possibly doing it for a career at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I intended to try to do what my dad did, and that was try to become a secret service agent for. I, I, you know, as far back as I can remember the majority of my life, um, when I was in college, I mean, I don't know how long winded you want me to get with this, Zach. No, no, you're good. Keep going. Yeah. Well, I had to ask, like, so when growing up on the water, what was your, what was the boat that you grew up on? So my dad's first boat was a 17 aqua sport when I was a little kid. Okay. I was, my first memories were a 17 aqua sport. Um, and that was my dad. My dad bought that uh, just shortly after I was born. And that's what we would go on the Chesapeake Bay all the time. We, we would mostly just catching bluefish. And when I was a kid, the striped bass, or in Maryland, they call it rockfish, mm-hmm. striped bass, rockfish fishery was horrible. I mean, I, I only remember catching one or two from like the age of like six, seven till I was like 12. And I remember my dad would freak out if we caught one. It was like the biggest deal. Right, um, right. Which is, it's totally, I mean, the fishery come, has come back so much now. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. great. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like, those are my memories. I mean, we would catch all the bluefish we wanted. Uh, but we we didn't catch the striped bass like you could now. And it was like a huge deal if we caught one. Um, yeah. So, that's how I grew up fishing. And then in the Outer Banks, I got to do some offshore stuff where we caught mahi and bonita and kingfish. So kind of like a, a very mixed bag growing up in terms of like the fisheries that you've been working on and then also, you know, working on the water and living on the water and very similar. I, I kind of had a very similar childhood growing up here in Rhode Island and then also moving around a little bit, California, Florida, but always living, you know, very close to the coastline. And I had a, um, a V20 step lift was kind of my dad's boat that. You know, I would beg them, hey, can I have the keys? Let me go fishing, like out to the Block Island in and around Narragansett Bay. So kind of a similar, um, you know, childhood growing up. So you go from, all right, I don't want to, Secret Service really isn't my bag, but let me try pursuing being a captain. Did you all of a sudden get your captain's license saying, hey, I want to make some money fishing and then then turn into kind of like your, your livelihood, what you do today? So what happened was, was when I was in college, my freshman year, I got an internship with a company called Argonbright Security. Argonbright Security supplied security guards to corporations, but most of the biggest thing they had was they had the contract with all the with all the airports supplying the guards, like what now is TSA. So I would drive around, check on all the guards all the time. Okay, so 9-11 happens. Argonbright loses the contract uh, with the airports because TSA takes over. So my job, my internship totally changed. It was going to turn into like a 
it was going to turn into like an office job, like doing whatever anybody needed in the office, making copies, doing all that kind of stuff. I did it for a couple of weeks and I went to my dad and I said, dad, you know, I know this is like step, what, what a good stepping stone to try to get into the secret service, but I'm, I got to do something else. Can't I want to do, do something yeah. else. So I got a job um, on a dive boat. I got a job on a charter boat. And then through doing that, I was like, you know what? I got enough sea time. Let me just get my captain's license. I got my captain's license at 19. I didn't get employed as a captain until I was 21, but mm-hmm. I got my captain's license at 19 just to get it. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I just kind of fell into it because I wanted to do, I wanted to do something that was going to be more fun than wearing a suit and tie and, and mostly making copies for people all day. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, out of, out of college, I worked a little sales job and, and whatnot. And it was all indoors. And I was like, man, I got to get out. Like I got to get, you know, get going. And I had had my captain's license in college and, and, um, kind of was able to pursue that. So, you know, I can totally relate to that. And at what point did you say, um, well, not when you say, but you got the offer to work with Jimmy Buffett, because I mean, that's a huge shift and an amazing opportunity to take. And obviously, you know, you've taken and run with it. So, so yeah, so when I was, when I was, when I started working on boats, really, really got into it at 19. I mean, I was working on every boat I could, every day I could, all different boats, filling in as a mate, filling in for an owner operator that had just needed a kid to work the cockpit, doing anything I could. I was detailing boats, doing everything. Um, I kept, I had a lot of ambition. I wasn't necessarily the best fisherman. I was still learning very much so, and I knew that. And I was taking any job I could with a good captain to try to learn. Um, Even if I hardly got paid, I would take a job with a good captain to learn. Looking back at that, it's, it's, it's that love of the water, love of boating that I wanted to succeed so bad that I was, I, was, I was succeeding faster than a lot of other guys my age because of that ambition, which I'm, ta- I'm saying this now and I'm not patting myself on the back. I didn't realize it at the time. I really didn't. But it kept catapulting me to a better job, a better job, a better job on a better boat. So there's a, there's a doctor, um, Dr. William McKay. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon here in Florida. He gave me a job working for his captain, which was Scott Hitch. And I got the opportunity to go do four months with them, strictly blue marlin fishing in the Bahamas. I had met Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett's crew on that trip. Spider Andreessen is Jimmy Buffett's fleet captain. Spider Andreessen um, was one of the founders of Saltwater Sports and Magazine. So I met them. We, you know, we, ju- we just in passing meet. We, we go our own ways. A month or two later, um, Spider's son Tyler left the sport fishing program to go run a yacht. And um, so the opportunity, the job became available. Spider went asking around for referrals for, uh, you know, a captain. And Spider asked a few people that I knew. Um, John Brownlee, who at the time was the editor of Marlin Magazine. Uh, you know, people like Roy Merritt, Tom Greenwood, of Cat, Cat Tackle Shop. My name came up multiple times. So as very lucky that my name came up multiple times. And then I had just recently met them in the Bahamas. That's, that's kind of how I fell into it. And the, the thing that I learned after I got hired was that both Spider and Jimmy wanted somebody young. I didn't think I was going to get the job because I was young, mm-hmm. but they wanted somebody young so they could, you didn't have any bad habits and they could kind of teach and mold me into what they wanted. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of how that all fell into place. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like you hustled for it. I mean, there was no no point in time when you were telling me that, that you were like, Oh yeah. And you know, I kind of just fell into this job. This like, you were, you were very motivated and determined to kind of get to a point where, where you are today. 
Um, so you get the job with with Jim on Jimmy Buffett's boat, and what was kind of like the first moments of that? Because you're you're in they're molding you to how you how they want you to be and how you, how they want the boat to be operated. And I know that feeling because I was actually recently out in Hawaii as a captain and working for a snorkel boat and dive boat. And the woman had just opened up the pretty much just took over about six months ago and completely overhauled it. And she was she was a stickler, but in in, a, in the best way possible. And that's not really the right word for it. But in every single trip that I took with her, she was always like, you know, I, I'd like you to do this and that and just change this up and say that. And and in all things that I really appreciate now looking back on it. But at, at sometimes, you know, during the trips, I'd be like, all right, come on, can you get off my back a little bit? But now, you know, it's almost as if I'm a better captain because of what she's done. So I have a feeling you kind of have a very similar, you know, outlook on things. Were there any certain moments or people that influenced you um, during those first few years of working with um, Jimmy Buffett's crew? Both Spider and Jimmy um, influenced me greatly on who on the captain I am now because I can tell you that the, the, the boats that I had worked on prior to working for Jimmy, I worked on the real wheels, which is one of Rick Hendrick's boat, the NASCAR racer. Okay. That, which, was, which was very similar to what I'm doing now, but that was a part-time gig. I only worked part-time a few days a week for them. But everybody else I worked for prior to it was like, say, for example, if we broke a freshwater pump, they would have me take apart the pump, figure out what broke, um, order, order the bare minimum of parts, put the pump back together. You know, you'd spend a day doing it. You'd spend, instead of buying a $300 pump, you'd spend $60 in parts, but you'd spend a whole day doing it. Right. And then not to know if the integrity of the pump was any worse or better than now that you took it all apart and put it together. That's what I was used to. It was like, you know, duct tape, bubble gum, just fix things and get them working. Don't right, spend a lot of money. Takes. Yeah, don't spend a lot of money was like everything I was used to. Mm -hmm. So, and don't, and, and just, just fix it. And I'd rather not buy a new one if we can fix our old one. So I, when I started working for Spider, he, he told me a few times in certain situations, if something broke, he would say, listen, we, we can't afford to, to have something go down. So the way that we operate is, you know, if it can't be fixed in a properly way, that's as good as new by, you know, like just get a new one and replace it. And, and we want everything 100% working order. Um, you know, preventative maintenance was like spiders thing all the time, preventative maintenance. Let's keep things from breaking. And if they break, we want them fixed the right way. Uh, so that totally changed my whole time that my whole outlook on things like it was like, you know, we, we were allowed to buy, you know, uh, overhaul items more, more often, you know, in terms of the mechanical items on the boat, we were, we were allowed, like, you know, if there was a corroded wire, we didn't start scrubbing it with WD-40 to get the rust off and cut it back a little bit and reconnect it. Mm. You know, like we would just replace, replace the, it, yeah. you know, replace the wire because, you know, that's just, and that has helped me so much to learn about the way a boat should be maintained if you have the means and you have the ability to do it. And it has also, it, it's also, it, it just, it, it's helped me make my jobs. Um, it's honestly made my job a lot easier uh, because I understand how to properly maintain a boat, how it should be. And, you know, things, in, things in good working order. Don't say, Oh, Hey, you can't use that head because the pump broke, Right. you know? No, that doesn't work like that. Everything needs to work on a boat. Like that's the way we operate. So, um, 
it's it's cut and dry. It makes my job easier. No, for sure. But it also gives you the peace of mind. Like I can't tell you how many times where I've I've had to work on a boat and it, all of a sudden you're like, oh well, I you know the gears are shifting and they sound like crap, and you're like, well, you know they they might turn on. You know, it might go into neutral when I'm coming into the dock or it might go into, you know, forward when I, you know, don't intend to or, you know, you're out at 80 miles offshore and something breaks down. You're like, well, this is this is fun. Like, you know, and I have a boat full of people on it. Like, that's not it's not something that should be acceptable in the industry. But unfortunately, in some cases it is. And obviously, you know, you guys hold your vessels in, in yourselves to a certain standard, a very high standard. So. Um, that's really cool to hear and see and to listen to that as Jimmy is an owner. I mean, you can tell that he actually cares about his vessels and his people and, and the people that he has on board the vessels as well. Um, so you go from, you know, learning a ton of, you know, very useful knowledge and, and really being molded into who you are today. At what point did you start to, you know, dabble into what is now Last Mango Boatworks, Freedom Fighter Outdoors, and you guys recently did a huge, um, you know, work with uh, Merritt and Freeman on the new boat that you guys are running. So how did that kind of all evolve? I know I kind of hit with a lot, but, you know, a- as you became a captain, where did things start to really fall into place? So I'd have to take you back to, I'll answer all of it, but I got to take you back to when I got the job when I was 19, 20, 21, working on the boats, I get out of college and I decided, all right, I'm not going to really work on boats. I'm going to still try to get this secret service job. Well, after 9-11, I had this, this overwhelming feeling of that I, I wanted to join the military. Like it was always deep down inside me because I wanted to do something. Like, because I think there was a lot of people after 9-11 who felt like that. There's a lot of my friends who felt like that. So what happens is, is secret service is doing a hiring freeze. My dad tells me, um, when the hiring freeze is over, you are, you, you're gonna, it's going to be really hard for you to get a, the job with them because they're going to be inundated with qual- overqualified people, ex-law enforcement, ex-military. You know, just some guy out of college uh, is, is not going to cut it once the hiring freeze is over. Right. So I, don't, I, I didn't say a whole lot to my parents. I kind of just did it on my own. I went and talked to a Marine recruiter. While I was talking to the Marine recruiter um, is when I got the job with jimmy so like he uh, called you up during the during the interview with the recruiter well spider spider called me not during the interview but spider called me um uh, during my my process like i had already done done. so i go back in and talk to the recruiter and i say hey you're not gonna believe this but you know since i was here last and talked to you last i got a job offer to go interview with jimmy buffett and and uh yeah they were the Marine recruiter was totally opposite of what I thought he was going to say to me. He didn't give me the whole like, well, we've already invested time in you. We were just in money in you. This is a duty. You should really, you know, keep, keep your word. And you know, you have a you know duty to your country now. Didn't do, that's what I expected. Didn't say any of that. He looked at me and says, well, what are you, what are you doing sitting here? Yeah. I would go take that job right now. Yeah, no kidding. He says, I'm telling you, he says, that sounds like a good deal. Go do it. And I remember feeling super awkward and guilty and saying to him, well, you don't, you know, that, that's it. Just, do you think I should go do it? In my mind, I was thinking like, I don't know if this job's going to last. What if it only lasts two or three years? What if, you know, then what am I going to do? I'm going to come back here. And that's how I was kind of feeling. He says, no, go, go do it. And I said, well, I said, man, I really was looking forward to serving. And I remember he said to me, you'll find a way to serve. Mm. He says, but get, get out of here and go take that job. So you fast forward through the next couple of years of my life. I really did not think about and I didn't have any guilt. I didn't think about it much. 
I really didn't. I was so in that, like I was so immersed in the job with Jimmy and doing a good job and learning um, about how to deal with some of my coworkers and, and the relationships and you know how it is when you start a new job. Oh, like course. it's all you can think about. Fast forward to my youngest brother. He he joins the Marine Corps, and all of a sudden it like hit me with a ton of bricks. I just felt so guilty. I was like, wait a second. You know, I'm 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 getting paid to run a boat. I'm getting paid to go fishing. Uh, I this doesn't make sense. You know, he's, he's worried. He's, you know, he, cause he went in as a third LAR, which is light armored recon. And those guys are on the ground and I'm hearing stories and I'm like, this just doesn't even make sense. These guys, you know, they're not, they're, they're just the life that they're living and the sacrifices they're making. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going fishing and running a boat that, that kind of guilt set in really hard. So I tried to figure out a way to, to give back. And the way that I thought to give back was I, thought, you know, maybe we could take the, the guys that are injured, PTSD, physical injuries, whatever, after they get out and take them fishing. So we, I talked to Tyler Andresen, who was running Jimmy's yacht, and Tyler's spider son. Tyler and I are, are still best friends. Tyler says to me, I talked to Tyler and said, hey, would you want to do this trip with me? And I was going to do it on my own center console. Tyler said, hey, I, I think you should, you should tell, you know, Spider and Jimmy about this. He's like, you know, Jimmy's a big military disabled veteran supporter. You know, he does that soldier ride concert, you know, which benefits them. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I guess he's right. You know, Jimmy does do a lot, you know, for the veterans. But I was thinking, I just felt awkward. I didn't bring it up. Tyler ends up saying to me, listen, if you're not going to bring it up, I will. So Tyler ends up telling his dad and Spider writes an email, copies Jimmy and says, this is what Vinny and Tyler are doing. Um, you know, and I just wanted you to know. And then Jimmy replies and says, use, use my boat. It's bigger. They'll be more comfortable. Wow. It's a, you know, loaded up with some land shark, go get some sandwiches, yeah. show the guys a good time. So I remember I called, uh, John Pruden and John Pruden, uh, we started out and we started everything out. We started working with Wounded Warrior Project. John Pruden's still there and he's still a good friend of mine. I called John Pruden and I said, John, you're not going to believe this. I know the offer was on a 30 foot center console. I said, but we're actually... I actually work for Jimmy Buffett and we're going to take his boat. John paused for a while. And I, I know he was probably wondering if I was crazy, you know, like, I don't know if he thought to believe it or not. Right. And then he was like, really? And I said, yeah. And he says, wow. And he says, okay. And I said, yeah, so we could, we don't need to take two or three. We could take four comfortably easy. And I said, let's just do four. So John shows up. We take the guys out on, on Jimmy's boat, me and Tyler. And anybody who's listening to this, who knows anything about fishing in South Florida, knows that what I'm about to tell you does not happen every day. So we, we go out with three dozen goggle eyes as live bait. Tyler and I get out and set up at 8.30 in the morning. Um, the guys showed up about 7.45. By the time we cleared bridges and everything, we got set up at 8.30. We're sitting in 120 feet of water right off Boca Raton, Florida, in a spot that had been good for us throughout the weeks prior. Mm -hmm. And we caught nine kingfish. We caught, I don't remember, four or five bonitas. We caught three blackfin tuna. Got a double of yellowfin tunas and caught three mahis over 15 pounds. Holy and, crap. And in between all that, we had a lot of cutoff bites, king bites, short bites. We went through all the bait by 11.30 in the morning. Oh, and my God. So we, we come yeah. back in and we're, you know, we're pinning up the blackfins and the kingfish and the mahi. And, the, and, and one of the elephants got eaten by a shark. And then we pinned up one of the elephants, which was 55 pounds. And the, a lot of people started looking and saying, wow, did you guys run to the Bahamas? Did you guys know? We're like, no. We left the dock at, you know, at eight, eight o'clock this morning. Right. And, we're in early. <laughs> yeah. And we ran out of bait and this is what we got. And everybody's like, wow, wow, wow. So Sun Sentinel, 
um, guy, a writer named Steve Waters, who does a lot of um, like the outdoor sports in, in the Fort Lauderdale area and, the, and uh, the magazine, or newspaper called Sun Sentinel, he writes an article about it called, and he called it Casting for a Cause. That newspaper article um, talked about what we did, why we did it, and the phenomenal day we had. And Jimmy loved it. He thought it was awesome. Like he just, you know, it's such a feel good thing. Like not only did we do a good thing, but look at the day we had. Well, now my friends start messaging me, calling me and saying, hey, I, you know, I, we read that article about what you guys did. If you guys do this again, send, get, have six, seven, eight veterans come and we'll take a couple. So the wheels started turning in my head and I started doing these trips every couple of months. And I, you know, went from four veterans to eight and then it went from eight to 12. And uh, we started doing little things like where we would take the guys to lunch afterwards at, you know, the low, at the restaurant at the marina. So then you fast forward to uh, end of 2011 where I meet my wife, Sarah, and Sarah says, you know, where, you know, she, we're talking about, she says, I think we could do this even better. You know, now that she wants to help, she was really good with the logistics. She starts booking the guys a hotel the night before arranging it for them to have breakfast the morning of. We're taking them to, to a nice dinner at the end. She's giving every veteran a gift bag. So that's, we carried that out through 2012, 13, and in October of 2013, um, Sarah and I had discussions about doing, starting our own thing and making it even better in terms of turning up the quality. So now the, now the events are three and four day events where we do a day offshore, we do a day inshore, the guys are staying at the Marriott on the ocean, and we're doing dinners every night, breakfast every day, box lunches on the boats, and it's, we have a lot of companies supporting us, which are uh, throwing items in the gift bags, uh, really big companies like, you know, Costa Sunglasses, Garmin, you know, Garmin Electronics, um, Night Eyes, Grundins, all these big companies, Margaritaville, Landshark, they're all donating, um, and the gift bags are stuffed with Yeti you know, Yeti Ramblers, and sometimes we're using Yeti buckets as our gift bag. Yeti sends a bunch of buckets, so you can picture where you, you get a good idea where I'm talking Oh, yeah, of going. course. So now it's a huge thing. We got five, six, sometimes seven boats each day offshore. In, actually, I shouldn't say that. Inshore, we have you know 18 or 20 boats because we're only putting one or two veterans per per you know uh, inshore boat, but uh, offshore, we're putting four or five veterans per boat, and we have 25 veterans or so, give or take a couple per offshore event, and then the hunting events that we do. Um, we have a board member, uh, he's a veteran and board member named Brian Carpenter. He's in Western Pennsylvania. He kind of heads up a lot of our hunts. Um, he's a big hunter and an avid outdoorsman. And a lot of the hunts he's done, pheasant hunts, deer hunts, bear hunts, the hunts, um, the bird hunts, usually seven, eight guys. Sometimes I think he's had up to 10. Um, but the, the deer and bear hunts are usually two, four veterans of turkey hunts are small. So the hunting events are much more intimate um, just because each veteran gets a guide. And depending on the size of the property is, is how many veterans we have. But the fishing events are the biggest events we do. So extremely long-winded. I hope everybody hung with me. No, no I, I've been hanging with you too, like on every word. I mean, what you guys are doing is so incredible. And it really comes, in my mind, it really comes back to that moment where that, that recruiter goes, you'll find a way to serve. And that just seems like such a powerful moment that stuck with you in the back of your head. And then it, it just came to fruition years later in, in, in conjunction with the opportunities that you've had with Jimmy and spider and all these other guys who were able to influence you to where you are today. So it's just, it's such a humbling story to listen to. And 
you really are serving in your own unique way. And to I, I can only imagine the, the reaction that these veterans are having once they when they reel their fish in because they just came through such a traumatic uh, injury or, um, you know, a brain injury dealing with PTSD, all these things that we hear about. Um, but you get to really help them along in their process of healing. It, it, what do you what are some of the moments that you've kind of witnessed of that healing process for these guys? So I can tell you a bunch of stories, but I'm going to tell you a story. Um, Give me the I'll one that really sticks out to you. All right. So there's, there's one that, that really sticks out to me. Um, and it's a story. So th- there was a, there's a veteran. His name was uh, John Lawson. He was an Army veteran. The first event we had him on, he was a referral by another veteran. So this guy really needs it. You know, he's got a lot of PTSD issues. So we get him on the event, and he was extremely paranoid, extremely nervous, he didn't know what to make of it. He thought there was an agenda, like he didn't understand why we would do this for him kind of thing. Uh, he was in horrible shape um, in terms of men- mentally, just horrible shape. He was relying a lot on alcohol. And uh, he, it was, I, he, he was in such bad shape, I had to take him aside before I got him on the boat, and I had to ask him if he was okay. Um, because I was, I was that, I was worried that if he had an episode of any kind on the boat, I didn't know, you know, how quickly I I, I could resolve the issue or get him back. So he calms down with me and he says, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm all right. So at, once he gets on the boat, um, he, we reeled in his first fish or two. We had one of those days where we were, this was out of Montauk and we we had one of those days, I think we caught 15 striped bass and like double that in bluefish oh my god Amazing. Um, we were just yeah. we were just trolling wire you know how that goes if you're from up there so you could produce big numbers so after his first fish or two he is hooting and hollering high-fiving totally changes like like a light switch when i say a 180 i'm not i'm not this is not an exaggeration and there's many people who who can attest to this that night at dinner totally different wasn't sitting by himself he was telling stories about the day right so we invite him on another event He's in even better shape, totally transformed. Um, and he, he came through a lot and totally, totally, totally changed for the better. Um, I can tell you other stories about other, other, there's a ton of veterans that I, that I, that I could tell you that changed for the better um, and very similar stories uh, sitting by themselves. We have a, we have a couple of guys who are, we started this, um, so Freedom Fighter Outdoors, we call it FFO. We kept mm-hmm. the same acronym. We, we started Freedom Fighter Outreach in 2015. And what Freedom Fighter Outreach was, was, was veterans that, disabled veterans that we felt, um, and I hate to, you'll understand what I mean by this, but really needed a purpose, needed something to do because they're at home on disability and they, and when you can give back, it totally changes how you feel about yourself. We, I know that's, you know, I know, I know this hundred percent. It's helped me with all my guilt. So, uh, we, we take a few veterans that really need it and we tell them, you know, my wife would, my wife and the board of directors, we get them a polo shirt, a notebook, um, you know, briefcase or backpack business cards that all said freedom fighter outreach, send them to the VA, to the VA, send them to the, the DAV meetings and have them recruit new veterans to come. Now they get to be the guy that people are like, wow, really? I can do this. And then they bring the veteran that they meet on an event and they kind of coach him through it. You know, like, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to get on a boat. It's going to be great. And they fish with the guy. Now they, now they become this guy, the new veteran, male or female's friend, right? They're their support network. This new veteran has a peer mentor. Um, when, 
we started that, I, we watched some of these guys transform to veterans that on the first day or two, or even the whole first event, would sit by themselves and wouldn't look you in the eye, to now our, our outreach coordinators, and they are the team leaders um, at our events. We have four or five outreach coordinators at each event, um, sometimes up to six, um, that come on the events, and we put one outreach officer on each boat on the offshore days. This way there's a guy there that knows the, the, the deal. He knows what to expect. He can tell everybody what to expect. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, this is how you put on your rod belt to just create conversations. He might already know the captains if they're repeat captains. Right. So you see where I'm going. Yes, exactly. So you get where I'm going with this. So we've seen that transformation too. So there is huge transformations in this. And we get a lot of feedback from veterans who say, um, you have no idea how depressed I was, how down in the dumps I was, how I felt before I went on this event. This has changed my outlook on life. Thank you so much. Like we hear that very, very often. So that's, I think that best answers your question without me telling yeah, you the no, story about it. Yeah, no, it really did. And I mean, again, I, I've, I've, I've had the, you know, opportunity to work with uh, Wounded Warrior Project when I was much younger. My parents actually, we sold uh, the house to a wounded veteran who was involved in the Wounded Warrior Project and who we were, you know, fortunate to meet and, you know, talk to his story. And um, it's just such a, it's so hard to put into words what these guys really go through. And I'm, I know you've met a lot of them. I've met a lot of vets as well. And it's just, there's something about these guys that you, you just want to give as much as you can to them. So any opportunity that I've, you know, come in contact, I'm, I'm always sitting in the airport and I've bought guys lunch before. And, and to, to be able to speak to you about what you guys are doing is just, it's incredible work. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to have been able to connect with you and, and talk more about it. Um, but I'd also like to talk more about what you and Sarah are doing about with Last Mango Boat Works and your your projects and and trying to get that started and also getting the the new boat that you guys have been building you know so diligently as well. So um, what what is Last Mango Boat Works and how does that kind of fit into the picture? Because I know a lot of these things are are very much so intertwined and interconnected as well. So last Last Mango Boat Works was was created as an idea about three, maybe four years ago. When I, and the idea started was that uh, we had that 42 Rybovich walk around. And it was really due to some of the veterans events that we were doing that was creating a lot of attention. Because we never really posted the boats on social media before. We never, we never put the pictures of the boats out there for public. Um, it was always very private. Um, but through some of the work we were doing with Freedom Fighter Outdoors and the injured veterans, you know, so many people wanted to write a story about it. Through those stories, the 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 boat Last Mango was becoming very well known in terms of the fact, like if if Jimmy on uh, his social media posted a picture with the boat shirt on, um, his you know he would he would get a lot of messages, or his, you know his marketing team would get a lot of messages saying, "Hey, how do we buy those shirts? We would love to buy one of those shirts." Right. Uh, I was getting messages on my on my social media all the time, people saying, "How how do we how do we buy the shirts?" And whenever I'd run into fans at the marinas when we travel, I would always just give if people came up and they were really nice, I would always give them shirts, give them a shirt, give them a shirt. Right. Um, you know how boats are. We're always handing out boat shirts because everybody wants one. Of course. Well, especially yeah. that boat. It's so. Um, it's so different. I mean, the from the color to the trim to it's just a very prominent boat. When it comes into the harbor, you're like, well, that's that's Last Mango. I mean, without a doubt. 
Right, and I'm not patting myself on the back by any means, but it, Jimmy is really good at at it's Jimmy and his design and his colors and the way he designs boats. It, it's like you said, it's it, you, there's no mistaking when you see it what boat they are when you see them. So it's it's yeah, they're they they got a lot of attention and and through that you know Jimmy you know this not verbatim but like he was saying things like and I really don't I I don't need to make money selling my boat shirts but what if you know, we offered them for sale and then the money went to charity. And, and all of a sudden, like a light bulb went off in my head when he said that. And I was like, wow, I love that idea. That's, that's awesome. And he was like, yeah, that's a, like, this is something we should, we should think about. Right. And, and, uh, throughout the years we kept talking about it and, and I would say, you know, I would tell him, I say, Hey, Mr. B, um, you know, Yeti wants to do something with us. You know, they they want to do ramblers and mugs and cups and you know and be part of it if we want to sell last mango gear. And I'd say, you know, company Night Eyes wants to do stuff. And I would name all these companies that wanted to get behind us. And we would kept saying, like, yeah, all right, we're well, you know, let's let's think about this. How can we do this? Well, in October of nineteen, um, uh, Jimmy Spider. Uh, one of Jimmy's gym managers, Darren, we all started talking and we said, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's make a plan. And that's when we really went forward with it. And, um, you know, Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's one of Jimmy's marketing guys named Rob, like I, I'm naming these people because this wasn't just me and I get a lot of the credit for it. There's so many people behind the scenes that said, this is a great idea. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the idea that Jimmy first had. So we start last mango Boatworks, and last mango Boatworks was started to, be a brand that used the best products, put the best products out there that like, so for example, it's the products we use on the boats and put them out there for people. All, all profits will go to charity. The profits are going to be split between freedom fighter outdoors and Jimmy's charity and his foundation called singing for change. Singing for change is, is a, is a nonprofit that people apply to other 501 C threes apply to mm-hmm. and singing for change uh, supplies grants to, 501Cs that they approve and they believe in. And, you know, Jimmy donates a ton of money and puts a ton of money into Singing for Change, and it's a great charity that does a lot of great things. So we were going to help fund both of those charities. With right, the best of both worlds. From, yeah, from uh, Last Mango Boatworks. So we started in, uh, we launched it in Fe- February 17th, um, and we had an overwhelming response of people buying the boat shirts, the boat hats, the stickers. And then the first of every month, we're coming out with a new product. Like March 1st, we came out with a shirt that's a silhouette of Jimmy on a paddleboard, and we called it the JB shirt. May 1st, we came, or April 1st, we came out with um, the spider hat, which was one of the hats the spider always wears. And then May 1st, it was the Darren hat. It's one of the hats Darren always wears. You know, and then June 1st, we're going to come out with Yeti cups. So the, every month, we're going to come out with something new. And just hope to keep growing. Um, and Sarah's doing a lot of the, the, the behind the scenes stuff. Sarah's doing all the fulfillment. Um, so Sarah's been a huge part of it. And that's what I'm saying. I'm always in the front with Jimmy and myself who get a lot of the credit, but there's so many people behind the scenes. And that's also why we're naming a lot of the new products, like the spider hat, the Darren hat. Um, I, it's very important to me that people see that this isn't, this isn't just me. There's many people behind most great causes that don't get the attention. Right. And, and they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the support or the push from certain people. Like if Spider never wrote Jimmy that email asking Jimmy or telling Jimmy what Tyler and I were going to do, none of this would have happened. You know, if Darren didn't support this throughout the years and, you know, you know kind of, you know, get us all the stuff for Margaritaville, for the gift bags, if Darren didn't do all that, this wouldn't be as great as it is. And without Jimmy's support and all the people around Jimmy and their support, 
uh, I don't think a lot of these big companies would have found out about us as fast as they did. Because you know how it is, once a celebrity gets behind something, it really pushes the throttle down hard and fast. So right. we don't take any of that for granted. Uh, I'm very aware of it. And um, that's why I'm trying to do the best I can with it. And also, like I said, I'm really at the same time uh, bearing a lot of guilt at the same time. And that's what is probably the most driving factor behind myself is that the more I do, the less guilty I feel. So, right. Well, I mean, what you're doing, it, it, Hey, if that's what, if that's what is pushing you to do the, the amazing things that you're doing, it, I mean, what you're, how you're connecting and intertwining everything that you do on a day to day basis, you and Sarah and everyone that's involved, cause it really does take a village. Like in anything that I've ever tried to do. And I think in a, what a lot of people have done, um, big companies, organizations, celebrities, all these people, they, they come with a team, right? And I have a friend of mine who he's a ex Olympian. His name is Almond Gunner. He was a track spinner. He's actually in, um, located in Jacksonville, Florida. And the, the one thing that has always stuck with me and what he says is you got to pick your team. Right. So you are the you are the person with the five people closest to you. Right. That's what that's the saying. Um, and he's always like, you just got to pick your team. All the people that you come in top contact with and that motivate you and push you, they all have to be in it to win it. And, and so I can totally understand that, you know, and why you're naming these hats and, and products after people. And I actually didn't, I didn't realize that, to be honest with you. I think that's very cool how you've done that and really integrated the team into the brand as well. Um, in what ways has that kind of, you know, put the brand on a trajectory to where, where you want to go? Like in, in what's kind of in it for the future of last mango and freedom fighter outdoors. Um, I, I appreciate you asking that because like that, that's a big part of what this is. But first I was going to tell you the idea to name the products was yeah, Sarah's yeah. idea. So I got to give Sarah the credit because when Sarah said that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, wow, I love that idea because it's, it's very unique and it's an easy way to honor people and highlight the team because we have a lot of special people behind us. I mean, as I named them, I mean, and told you what they did. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I'm on the forefront, but so many people keep this going. So it's a great way to highlight people and, honor them. And, um, you know, a lot of this for me is honoring Jimmy and what he's allowed to happen here because it, it, you know, that that's, that's what is the most important. So where, where, how this is setting us on a tra trajectory is that what I want to be able to do is, is motivate people who there's a lot of people I feel like that are out there that don't, that don't know, they want to give back, but they don't know how. They don't know where to get started. They might not have an opportunity like I did who had a celebrity back them, right? So that's the reality of it. What we're trying to do is give people the opportunity to have a way to give back. Now, whether it's buying a hat or buying a shirt and knowing the profits are going to go towards charity, or if it's, you know, coming and volunteering at FFO events, whatever they want to do to give back, they were giving people an opportunity saying, if you want to do something, this is how we're going to do it. And the, the other thing we're going to do going forward is um, on June 1st, we're going to launch a youth ambassador program, um, which is how it's going to work is we're going to take, we're going to, at first we're going to do, we're, we're not sure exactly we're going to do two or four because we're still in the stages of figuring out how we're going to do the first year, but it's going to grow every year. That's for certain. We're going to pick a few children between eight and 16 years old. 
they're going to have to apply to become the last Mango ambassador. When they apply, they're going to have to have a recommend, two recommendations. It can be a teacher's or co- teacher or coach in their life. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to prove that they, that they get good grades. And they're going to have to explain what they've done in their life to give back and how they are going to give back going forward. It can be doing beach cleanups. It can be picking up trash. It could be volunteering um, for Special Olympics. Anything they want to do. It, anything at all. And it doesn't have to necessarily be coastal or water-based, but anything that they want to do. And then we at Last Mango are going to figure out a way to support them. So if they want to put together an event, you know, maybe we'll say, hey, well, if you want to put together this event and get five of your best friends to go do a beach cleanup, we'll send them all Last Mango hats, right? We'll send them mm, all Last Mango yeah. shirt. Maybe we'll find, we'll figure out a way to help support what they want to do and help them get a reason or uh, have the means and, and help them through our contacts because we're, we're very well connected with all sorts of other big companies to help them do this. And we've talked to some of the companies that, that support us, like Yamaha, Garmin, Costa, and they want to get behind this youth ambassador program. So I'm extremely excited about this because the other thing we're going to do for these, for this youth, um, whether they're young, young male or female or whatever, whoever Mm -hmm. we end up picking is we're going to give them an opportunity to come to an FFO event. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So they can see it in real life and be a part of it and come fishing with the veterans or, you know, and, and, you know, I, I would like if I, you know, I would, my preference is I'm going to try to get them to fish with me. So it's even more special because they'll be on Jimmy's boat, but that's, that's the idea going forward. So the trajectory of the brand is going to be to keep figuring out ways to give back and to grow and to build relationships with big companies that are going to help us grow um, and never lose sight of why we started this. Like, for example, I think a really good example of a brand that we want to be like is like the Paul Newman salad dressings. Okay. You know, like they've been, they've been around forever. They're still like the legacy of Paul Newman, even though he's gone, is still alive and well in his brand. And that's where I'd like to see this going forever. Right. Yeah. I, I love that idea, especially because I think, um, you know, I was talking to the folks at Billion Oyster Project here in New York, and they do a lot of work with the Harbor School. And the Harbor School is for all these inner city kids that really would not have had the opportunity to, to get out on the ocean and and give back to their environment and their community and they're doing an incredible job doing that but bringing it back to what you guys are doing having those kids on the on the water and bringing them out and meeting these veterans really brings it into context for them as to what it means to help other people and what it means to be part of a community that's bigger than them and i just think that's super important because for me the ocean has always been that place of, of, uh, of peace, right. Of something that's a place that I can go hop on the boat, go for a ride and then be at peace and everything's all right. Um, or, or fins up, right. As Jimmy would say. So, right. and I'm sure that's kind of similar to what you are, what you feel. And because in many ways the ocean has shaped me as a person and I'm sure it has for you. Uh, I mean, what does the ocean mean to you as a person and growing up and kind of giving back to that younger community and trying to get them invested into it, I think is super important. So what, what, what would you say the ocean means to you? Cause I think that's really the context of this podcast. When I'm on the ocean and whether I'm running the boat, doing a delivery, like if we're running the Bahamas or we're out fishing period, I'm at peace. I'm the most comfortable on the water. Um, the thing that I'll tell you, like throughout anything that's going on in your life, I think if you get on the water, it really helps 
you put away a lot of the things like whether it's stresses or bad things that might be going on in your life, things that, that aren't going your way. If you get on the water, I feel like you really, it's a place where you can kind of forget and you get a, you get a safe space to just focus on what's important. It's peaceful and it, it, it's, it's the best distraction for people. And the reason I'm saying this is because like veterans with PTSD and everything else, when mm-hmm. they're on the boat, mm-hmm. they, that's all they're thinking about. They left everything on the dock. It's, it's, you know, that's just, I, I, you could see it. I feel it. I know it. that's true. It's, it's that way for me if I've ever had a, a you know, a, a, any sort of bad experience or bad day in my life. So, um, the ocean to me is so many things to me. Like I, I hardly ever reel in any fish at all anymore myself. I love seeing people catch their first fish or catch their 100th fish. I don't care. I just like, I like the excitement, the enjoyment, the, um, the, ha- the, the smile on somebody's face. For me, um, the ocean is like the only place that I've ever, I've ever really felt like I wanted to go, wanted to do more than anything. And, uh, man, it's taught me a whole lot. I mean, you realize how small you are when you are out there. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. when I, you know, like, especially if you've ever, if you're, if you're one of those people that has a story of ever being stuck in a squall or a storm that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, if you've ever made a delivery in a rough day, I mean, it makes you realize that you are, you are small, you are a very small little piece of this, 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 this whole universe. So, uh, it's humbling and it, it, the ocean teaches you a lot. And I think fishing teaches you a lot too. It teaches you not to take things for granted in my opinion, you know? Yeah. Well, and certainly patience. And I think that brings, you know, us back to freedom fighter outdoors and last mango and, and, and trying to give that patience to someone else of like, everything's going to be all right. And just leave things at the dock and come out for a ride and really see what it means to, you know, be on the water and enjoy it because it forces you to, right. There's, you can't be distracted when you're real inefficient or when you're running the boat or doing delivery, you have to be in the moment. And I think that's what a lot of these veterans and, and people that, just need the ocean i think that's exactly what they need is to be in the moment for that small period of time to give them the overall perspective as to what's going on in the world in their life so i think that's very powerful so it's it's been a real pleasure speaking with you Vinny. and you know i know you guys are, have been doing some awesome work with freedom fighter outdoors and last mango boat works and i guess i always want to leave the the podcast asking that's one this one question and I know I kind of asked you in the beginning about, you know, who really influenced you, but in your career as a whole, from you becoming a captain and thinking about becoming one to where you are sitting today, uh, where, what has been, has there been like one moment in time where you've looked, where you can look back on and really see where the change took place? Like who, or, and it could be a person that influenced you or something that you, someone said to you. What has been that one thing that you can kind of look back to and say like, that is probably where my trajectory kind of took me to where I am today. I know it's kind of a hard question. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, there's three people that come to my mind when it, when you talk about my career and how it changed and there's, there's, I mean, I got so many different, there's, I've had like three of those, three or four of those moments, but, um, Jimmy working for Jimmy has changed me in a way where he has, you know, with him being such a waterman, he's not the typical boat owner. I mean, he told me a lot of how things should be, how he'd like them to be. 
and easier ways to do things. You know, like, you know, you're overthinking this. This is just, this is easier way to do it. Mm. Um, and that's changed me a lot. Spider gave me the biggest opportunity of my life by working for Jimmy because I got to see the world. I got to see places that I would never have been otherwise. Um, I've learned so much. Um, but you know, even there's a, there's a man that I didn't really get to talk about. I mean, there's Roy Merritt and I grew up in that Merritt boatyard, um, since I was younger, because one of my first boat jobs was on a Merritt boat. And as I got older and I really got to know Roy better, I remember I went into Roy's office one day and I had a boat project going on and I said, I thought I was going to be delayed on it. So I, I went into Roy's office. I asked Roy for help. I said, hey, Roy, is there any way you can give me a few extra guys to help me with this? I told Spider I'd be done by the end of the week. I really don't want to let Spider down. And Roy just kind of looked at me and like gave me that look like, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, I was right. young, so I was, I was worried. I, I didn't want to let Spider down. And I said, I really don't want to let Spider down. And Roy, anybody who knows Roy Merritt knows that he's like a kind of a man of a few words. But when he does give you a few words, they're usually pretty powerful. He's got really good one-liners. Mm. And he kind of looked at me and he said, Vin, don't worry. He says, a, a little bit of ambition goes a long way. And he kind of like just looked at me and gave me a nod and like, you know, <laughs> go ahead. And then, yeah. he, you know, he sent a few other guys to help me. And that was one of those moments where I was like, you know, just realizing that if, if you try hard enough, you think about it enough, like you are what you think about most. And if you want to be good at something and you think about it hard enough and it's what you study, it's what you want, you surround yourself with good people, you, 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 you really can't fail as long as you try hard enough and you have that ambition. Like I said, I didn't start out in this as the best fisherman, but I was smart enough at a young age to know that the only way I was going to get good was by surrounding myself and trying my best to convince a good captain to let me work for him, you know? Um, so that's what, if anybody's listening to this who's younger and you can apply this to so many different ways in your life, whatever you want to do when, what, you know, in your career, when you grow up. And this is what I tell young kids all the time is like, if you want it bad enough and it doesn't matter what you want and you, you know, or what, where you, what career you want, if it's being a doctor, if it's being whatever, if you want it bad enough, you can do it because I went from knowing nobody in the industry at all to just straight down, putting my head down and going after it as hard as I could. And I think that it, I'm a good example of, of how if you just want something bad enough, you, you know, you really you can achieve it. So, yeah. No. And I know I didn't really answer your question, Zach. No, you did. You like, answered it beautifully. And I think that is a perfect way to kind of, you know, pull this pull this ship into port and end the show because in so many ways that is the most powerful statement you can make like all you need is a little bit of ambition some elbow grease and just be able to put your head down and work hard and things will come you know it might take one day two days a couple years six years a decade few decades but you'll eventually you'll wake up one day and be like wow all that hard work really really paid off and there's no there's no direct or set timeline or set path you just kind of have to you know let it flow and and see where the tide brings you, you know? Yeah. I love that line. Yeah. So that's, a good, that's what <laughs> that's a, that's a good, that's a, it sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it'll be a next Maybe it'll be his next one. If he listens to this show, but, um, well, Vinny, it was a real pleasure to, you know, have you on the show. Um, I'd love to talk more, but, um, I think we should bring it into port and, you know, kind of send her on her way so thanks for uh thanks for being on the show and uh where can people you know find out more about last mango freedom fighter outdoors you um about everything you're doing like website instagram where can people find so, you 
Yeah, everything we're doing is like direct to consumer stuff. So right now we are, we are, um, where everything is, is online, social media, like they can last mango boat works on Instagram and Facebook, freedom fighter outdoors on Instagram and Facebook, the, the website, um, freedom fighter outdoors.org, uh, is, is the website to learn more about freedom fighter outdoors. But, um, just go online look us up freedom fighter outdoors, last mango boat works, and you'll find us and you can learn about, learn about it and figure out if you want to help, you want to get involved, you want to buy last mango products, whatever you want, you can figure out it all online. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Vinny, for being on the show and uh, look forward to continue our relationship in the future. And uh, yeah, have an awesome day. All right. Thank you very much, Zach. Thanks for making me feel comfortable. Thanks for having a good show here. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Vinny. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. It was a pleasure having Vinny on board today. And I just can't say enough about what he's got going on and the team that he has behind him. And he really made it known that it's not just him. It takes a village. And I think with everything that we do, it takes more than one person and not just yourself. So be sure to head on over to lastmangaboatworks.com, Freedom Fighter Outdoors. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Vinny also has a very active Instagram. You can check him out. And for those of you who are listening to this, uh, before Memorial Day, the weekend before, uh, this is coming out on the Sunday before Memorial Day, go ahead and you know show your thanks to a veteran. Go up and shake their hand, buy them some lunch, um, show your respect because these guys are, are giving so much, sometimes the ultimate sacrifice, and they need to be you know given what they deserve. So you know do your part, wave that American flag. I think now more than ever in our history is a time that we should be doing that. And on the weekend, this weekend, I will be doing Memorial Day Murph. Please join in if you want. It's a workout dedicated to Lieutenant Michael Murphy, a Navy SEAL veteran who gave the ultimate sacrifice and is memorialized by this workout. If you do decide to do the workout, make sure to tag us at Beyond the Buoy on Instagram, uh, Facebook. And while you're there, shoot us a like, give us a follow, and leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot, helps us out. And just coming up, your way about the end of this month we will have t-shirts going live on the website that also helps support the show keeps these episodes flowing and more interesting people businesses organizations entrepreneurs and innovators coming your way before i go always remember to work hard do good and be incredible and we'll catch you on the next show